You're listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Hang around after the message for more information about Mission Ridge Church. Sermon notes for this message or any of our other messages can be found through our website, missionridge.church. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoy. We are in a series about discipleship. Uh, I mean, this is this is the bread and butter of of what we do as a church, and I'm I'm excited to continue to talk about this for. I think we got eight more weeks of this after today. Um, really taking a, a deep look at what this looks like applied for us. Last week was all about laying seeds. Uh, that making disciples is uh, all about intentional relationship. We're going to keep coming back to that phrase, the intentional relationship. If you remember, Rob talked about uh, Jesus and how he did ministry and the time that he spent with his disciples and what they did. And we ended with these uh, action items from last week. Let's go ahead and throw, uh, do we not? Oh, I didn't tell you to make a slide with that, so we're not going to throw it up there. That was my bad, Anitra. Roughly right number 673 for today. Uh, so last week's action items were, which you can pull up in the bulletin from last week, uh, were to intentionally reveal God's ways within relationships that you already have. We wanted to reveal God's ways within the relationships that we have or to reveal God's ways in relationships that he was going to bring to us. Ask where you can partner with God in those new relationships. How do we do with those? Maybe a good start, good starting place. But there's probably some questions that come up from that, right? If I'm going to, if I'm going to ask where I'm, I'm supposed to reveal God's ways in the relationships that I have with people, uh, some questions come to my mind. The first one would be, where are the people in my life at? Like, what, what do they need? What do they need from me? And that's something that intentional leaders are going to ask. If we're going to be intentional about this, We need to ask these questions. Where are the people at in my life? These people that I want to disciple, that I want to minister to, that I want to connect with and reach, what do they need? Where are they at spiritually? What's their their deal? The process of spiritual growth, of maturation, that's the biggest word I know for today. Uh, The process of growing and maturing in Christ is something that we can look at through the lens, actually, of human development in a lot of ways. The Apostle Paul will actually use this as an example. Uh, Let's jump the first wheel slide, and we'll go to that passage from Paul out of 1 Corinthians. One more. There we go. So in 1 Corinthians, Paul says, uh, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people. But as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you're not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? He's using this analogy that they're, they're, they're spiritual children. He's, actually, he's not talking to infants. They're not actually infants. He's not saying, like, he's not talking about a physical, like, feeding them milk. He's saying that you guys need basic 
basic spiritual truths with where you're at growing-wise. This isn't a bad thing. He's just identifying where they're at and what they need. So there's a tool that we use here at Mission Ridge, and if you've been around a real-life church, then this is probably familiar. Uh, it's, uh, the discipleship wheels. Let's go on to the next one there. I think pull that. There we go. And so this is, a, this is a wheel of just kind of representing the spiritual growth. We start off, uh, it's labeled dead, but you know, you would start off unborn, right? Before you come to know Christ, before anything like that, you're in that category of you're, you're, dead, to, you're dead to the world here. And then you, you have your conversion, you're born again, and then you're now a spiritual infant, and you start to grow through Christ and through the word, and you move through this, and now you're a child, right? And then a young adult, and then ultimately a parent. And this is kind of just a tool that we use for helping us gauge where people are at, for helping us gauge where we are at. I use this for myself to say, where am I at? Where am I, where am I needing to grow? A couple of the characteristics here that we have. Uh, infants, think about an infant, like a, a newborn baby, anywhere age zero to two, maybe, right? Think about them. They need, uh, what do they need? They need you to do the heavy thinking because they're, they're ignorant. They don't know what they don't know because they're babies. They don't know anything, uh, you know. So they need you to do the heavy thinking. They're not going to come up with a three-point plan. They're confused a lot of times. The world is a scary place full of things that they don't understand. And so what do they need for that? They need to be comforted, right? Think about that with an infant. You need to comfort them because they're going to be scared of things. They're going to be confused by things. Uh, dependence. Infants are dependent on you. If you have an infant and you just kind of leave it there for a couple weeks, that's not going to go well. I'm not an expert, but even my betta fish won't last that long. That's not good. They're dependent on you. You have to care for them. You need to feed them. You need to care for them. That's all they can do. Let's move on to child. Child's maybe like age 2 to 13, maybe. We'll call it that. Uh, children tend to be a little self-centered, Right? usually about me, what they want, what I want, what I want, right? They need help learning to be selfless. That's not something that comes naturally. Sharing, uh, understanding that what they do affects other people, right? They're, they're very inward focused. They tend to be idealistic, maybe. They see the world in black and white. Possibly this could look like being naive. Uh, so they need to be instructed and taught. Are you starting to catch on that maybe this might apply to spiritual growth as well? Some of these things, they might have too little or too much confidence. They need to be monitored and encouraged, told, hey, yeah, you can jump off of that diving board, or no, absolutely do not jump off the top of that car. Too much confidence, not enough confidence. See what we got there? Let me move into the young adult phase here. Young adults, that's like when they hit puberty, right? All the way up to probably about age 25. Oh, that is communion. That is way we've jumped the gun. Uh, young adults... Uh, all the way up to like age 25 maybe, um, they, uh, they're able to reproduce, but they possibly shouldn't. They might need help not getting in over their heads. Uh, they tend to be a little more outward focused. I think Kyle avoided this just because I was going to like point out the college students, it's fine. Uh, but they see the problems in the world, right? And they want to engage with them. They're like, ah, I know how to fix that. And they, they always know how to fix it because, well, they're a little zealous, and as a young adult, we know everything, right? That's just what we do. So they need a little bit of guidance, probably. Uh, they need places to try things and experiment and fail and learn and grow with life's lessons. 
They need to gain experience to tame in that zealousness. It's good stuff. And then lastly, we have the parent. And in order to be a parent, you have to have reproduced and be raising a kid. Like that, that's the defining characteristic. If you're raising a kid, you're a parent. That's, that's, what, that's what happens. And parents need friends and support because if you've, if you've raised kids, then you probably know that that can be a little stressful. I remember being the stress for my parents. They needed friends and support. So this is a, this is a tool that we use. Um, when we're asking this question of where are the people at in my life and what do they need from me? So let's go to that next picture. Climbing the mountain. Oh man, this one's back again. It's getting a lot of use. Uh, so imagine this as each of these phases, as, as we're learning and growing, you're helping people up the mountain. When I'm discipling somebody, I'm not telling them how to get from down at base camp of Everest all the way up to the peak. I'm just up a little bit further on the path and I'm saying, here, try walking up this way. I'm helping the ones that have come behind me to learn from the lessons that God has taught me, right? God teaches me lessons and says, hey, maybe pass those on. Maybe share those. And if, if I'm the one following behind somebody, then I'm saying, hey, I need to be in relationship and I need to learn from them and learn from where they've been and learn from what they're telling me. So it's important, we'll keep this, we'll keep this in our minds, this, this idea of helping people up a mountain. Understanding if I'm that person at the top, what my part is, and if, if I'm the person down below, what, what their part is. Or what my part and their part, vice versa, wherever you're at. Now you might have this after last week's sermon, and then as we keep talking about this, it might seem like this takes a lot of time. Or this is maybe, it's too big, of a, too big of a thing to handle. Do you have time to disciple somebody? Seems like Jesus had a full-time job, right? He ran around for three years with 12 disciples, and that's all they did. Well, the short answer is that yes, you do. Uh, it looks a little different. The long answer is stay tuned for the next eight weeks, because we're going to keep biting into that. But I know that question is there in our heads of, do I have time for this? Can I handle this? It, do, like, what, how, do I, how do I do this? And part of this is understanding what my part is. Because when I, when I tend to get overextended, I'm like, I don't have time. I, I don't have, I can't handle this. It's usually because I'm trying to handle somebody's part other than mine. I'm trying to solve something for somebody that they need to solve. Or perhaps I'm trying to do God's part and not just taking care of my part. So that's what we're going to talk about for the rest of the day here is we're going to talk about my part, their part, and God's part. The three, three characters in a discipleship relationship, if you will. We're going, to do, we're going to do that through the lens of Cornelius. Another great story for this would be maybe Philip and the, and the eunuch from Ethiopia. We'll talk about that on footnotes, I think. Uh, will be a possibility there if we have time because we're also going to talk about this story of Cornelius a lot because there's a lot of extra stuff that I'm not going to get to today. But just a brief telling of this story and understanding these three characters and what they're doing, what their role is. So if you're not familiar with the story of Cornelius and Peter, it begins at the top of chap, uh, chapter 10 in, in the book of Acts. So we're going to go there, Acts chapter 10, verse 1 and 2. At Caesarea, there was a, na- a man named Cornelius, a centurion. Caesarea, that's a pretty big Roman town. Uh, centurion leader, hardcore Roman. 
uh, known as the uh, centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man, it's a little odd, who feared God with all his household. He gave alms generously to the people, strange for a Roman, and prayed continually to God, also strange as a Roman. This guy Cornelius is a little, a little out there. He's a little different. Now, the story continues, and it's, it's, we'll read the whole thing for care group this week, but I'm going to just tell it in the interest of getting out of here sometime before dinner. Um, but Cornelius has a vision in which God tells him to send for Peter. He, he, he gets this message from, a, from an angel that comes to him, and Cornelius gets this message from God that he needs to send for Peter. And so he sends off some people to go find Peter. Sends a couple servants and a devout soldier to get Peter. Now, flash cut frame to Peter, our second character in this story. Peter is hanging out with some friends, and he's up on a roof, and he takes a nap because uh, it's warm, and they're waiting for food, and he, he has a little bit of a nap. And in this nap, he has a vision from God, and this vision is really cool, and we'll talk about that aspect of it and break it down in footnotes. But uh, basically, the long and short of it is that God shows him a bunch of unclean animals. There's this sheet, and there's a bunch of unclean animals, you know, pigs and lizards and shellfish and shrimp and all sorts of, all sorts of stuff on there. And, and God is saying, what I have made clean, do not call common. That's Acts 10, 15, he says this. Voice comes to him a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. That's what God says to Peter. And Peter's like, okay, well, all of that stuff is you did call unclean. And Peter's really confused by this. He doesn't understand what God is telling him. And then, bam, right then, these three guys from Cornelius show up. And the light comes on, and the Spirit tells Peter to go with the Roman Gentiles, which is weird. They're like, we're supposed to bring this guy named Peter. Where's he at? And so he decides to go with them. And it clicks in Peter's mind what God is telling him, saying, go, go to these people. So Peter goes with them. Peter goes to be the guest of Cornelius, and we pick it up in verse 25. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, stand up, I too am a man. So Cornelius sees this guy, which is a fair response, because he just, you know, interaction with God, sends off to find this Peter guy. Peter now shows up. It's probably a big deal. Cornelius doesn't know any better. This side note, this is a great example of a spiritual child or a spiritual infant needing some correction. Fantastic example of this, because Peter's like, no, 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 no. I'm just a guy. You don't need to worship me. Peter points out that it's breaking all sorts of Jewish customs for him to be in Cornelius' house. That is, uh, we'll break down a little bit more of that in footnotes for the, the nerdery of it. But basically, you wouldn't want to go into a Gentile house if you're a good Jew trying to stay kosher because they're going to do all sorts of things that could possibly make you unclean. And so you would just not go into the Gentile's house for fear of becoming unclean, because that would be a huge inconvenience. Because they're not going to prepare their food. They, they don't know your kosher laws. They're not following that. If a Jew came into my house, he would probably be unclean. I've got, like, shellfish that I feed to my betas all the time. Like, it, it, they're going to be unclean. And so in order for them to avoid that, they had just created this custom of not interacting with the Gentiles at all. Okay? Makes sense. But God is saying, no, no, no. What, I didn't call the Gentiles unclean. You need to go to them. 
And so Peter explains this, that God has recently shown him this. Peter Peter starts teaching this Gentile household. And Cornelius then explains to Peter how he's had this interaction with God and God sent him to go get him. And then Peter responds after finding out what's going on. He, He responds and he starts teaching and instructing about Jesus. There's a fantastic example of how to share about Jesus there. Peter starts teaching and sharing the gospel. And then, my favorite part of the whole story, the Holy Spirit shows up and crazy stuff happens. Like, these guys are just being pretty normal, sharing the gospel, teaching, instructing, having a powwow. The Holy Spirit comes down and boom, things go crazy. And a lot of Gentiles get baptized. End story. One of my favorite. One of my favorite stories. I love this story. So let's break down the three characters. Let's look at them. So we got Cornelius. And what is Cornelius doing? Well, he's asking questions. He's, uh, I, I believe the term is a theoseves, a God-fearing Gentile. Cornelius is open to instruction, both from Peter and from God. And he's open to God's prompt to change his life. What, what, we'll talk about this maybe a little bit more in footnotes just to break down how this works. But basically, Cornelius has a really tough choice coming up where if he's going to follow Christ, he's going to be left with this possibly life or death decision. This is a huge change for his life. And he dives all in. Him and his whole household. All right, so that's Cornelius. Peter, what does Peter do? Peter is connected enough, first off, to hear and discern what God is doing in his life. Call back to the Sabbath series where we were talking about living a life where we can just exude God's presence. We can just outpour from that place. Being connected to God, contemplating and being connected to him. Being able to hear his voice, hear his prompts. Sabbath might be important there. Uh, Peter is willing to say yes. He could have said no. He's like, no, God, I don't want to go to this Gentile household. I mean, that'd be a bold move to just say no when the Holy Spirit tells you something like that. Especially, you know, if you're having like a vision. I feel like that. It seems kind of big. But then again, maybe I would do the same thing. Would I do any better? I I don't know. Uh, Because this is a wildly uncomfortable conversation. All of the Jew, like all of the Jews are going to look at Peter and say, what on earth are you doing? This is so, uh, uh, not only are you going to a Gentile household where you're probably going to be unclean and that's obnoxious and you're breaking all sorts of good Jewish law, right? But it's a Roman centurion. These people kill us. What are you doing? And God's telling Peter to go and Peter goes. He's willing to do that. And he goes into this interaction, not just, he doesn't just show up, but he goes in with intention. He goes in and he's, he's listening. And when he hears what's going on in Cornelius' life, he starts sharing and teaching and instructing. He's going in with intention. And then the last character is God, the Holy Spirit, right? What does the Holy Spirit do? What does God do in this story? First off, he lines up the pieces and the players. He puts them, brings them together. And second off, he starts molding their hearts. 
He starts moving them. He's working in Cornelius' heart even before Peter gets there. Peter doesn't know that. Peter has no idea that God is already working in Cornelius' heart. That Cornelius is already being a pretty fantastic guy, giving you the poor and, and praying continually. Like, we could all probably learn a little something, something from him. Right? God is already at work there, and Peter just has to show up and do his part. He just listens to this prompting that God gives him. Uh, so, I, so I wonder, have you experienced this? Have you had an experience where God prompts you, where, where you've been moved, where you've been felt that little nudge maybe like, hey, I'm supposed to go talk with that person. I know I have. I've got a couple examples for you. <clears throat> one of them goes well, one of them does not. Fantastic, fantastic. So the first one uh, is a story from back in my youth pastor days in Pullman. And it was just, it, yeah, oh yeah, Joy's giving me that eyeball. Um, it's about a, a young fellow named Colin. And Colin was fantastic. I love Colin. Uh, but Colin is, if here's your normal people, Colin is a little bit outside of the norm. He's cut from a different cloth, and that's not a bad thing. I loved the kid. But he's a little out there. Uh, and Colin really loved D&D, Dungeons and Dragons. And he desperately wanted to start a game with the youth group. Uh, and I managed to talk, cause, and I, didn't, I don't know why, but I felt that nudge, like, yep, you're supposed to do this. And I managed to talk myself and three other leaders, and we got a couple other kids, and so pretty soon, we had been playing for like six months every Saturday, getting together with Colin and playing some Dungeons and Dragons. It was ridiculous. Uh, I played like a, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it, it was ridiculous. And we did not take it very seriously. We were just having a grand old time. Um, and so we were building this, and I'm not, I wasn't really sure why, like what, what is this going to do? Other than I'm supposed to build a relationship with this kid. I know I'm supposed to do that. I feel like I'm supposed to invest in Colin. Well, fast forward a little bit to a summer camp that we end up at. And Colin, God is moving in Colin's heart and he's, he's teaching him some things. And Colin is really wrestling with this stuff. He's really wrestling with it. He's having a hard time with it. And it's this, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't, he, he kind of likes to be by himself. He doesn't want to rely on anybody. Gosh, that doesn't sound like anybody I know. Uh, he doesn't want to ask for help. He doesn't want to have to work as a team with people, right? I don't know if any of us have ever experienced anything like that, right? Kind of feeling that community is rough. I know I do. But uh, because we had that relationship and because I had that example of Dungeons and Dragons where we were working as a team in the game, I said, you know what, Colin? Your sneaky rogue needs somebody strong to be able to lift stuff because that rogue is really weak, right? And so if you're really weak, you need the whole fellowship of the ring to go full Lord of the Rings on this bad boy. Like, you even need a Boromir, right? You gotta have him. You gotta have him. And we were able to connect with Colin and he learned and he grew from that. And it was just because I'm gonna chalk that one up to God pushing me and saying, yep, you're supposed to go play Dungeons and Dragons with that kid. Okay. Okay, so that one went pretty well. Let's talk about when that doesn't go well. Let's, uh, let's rewind a couple weeks back. You guys remember ZZ Top was in town? And uh, there was that concert. And, and we had the Hiawatha bike trip the day of. And so I spent my day biking, 
with a bunch of people and it was fantastic. We had a great time. And then I got home and I was very tired and I almost didn't go to the concert. But then I was like, nope, nope, you're going to kick yourself if you don't go see these guys. You're, like, I was never going to let myself, like, I was never going to live it down. It was going to be terrible if I, if I didn't. So, so I go back and I decided to go to the concert. And I am at the concert. It's a little rainy that day. I've got my, my jacket on. I've got my hood up. I've got my headphones in, like the white iPhone, like with a cord, you can tell I've got headphones. Don't talk to me. Leave me alone. I've got my hands in my pockets. Like the body language, so very closed off, right? And I'm just listening to a podcast and I'm just going to wait in line to get in there. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to just listen to a bunch of old fogies, play some fantastic music. And it was going to be phenomenal, right? Well, this guy, and I'm going to call him John because I don't quite remember his name, which is a problem. We'll get there. Uh, But I'm going to call him John. Uh, This guy, John, was standing by me in line, and he was not going to have any of that. We were going to have a conversation. He was going to show me a lot of videos of various blues guitarists on his phone as we're standing there. And my emotional ability to deal with this was very nil. I was so tired of people. I just wanted to stand there and be like, no. But John was gonna, we were gonna have a conversation for 40 minutes as we waited in line and, and waited to get in there. And you know, bless his heart, he finally kind of cracked through to me and I was having a decent time talking with him um, and found out many things about him. You know, he moved all over the place. He had a couple guitars. He played guitar, played electric, uh, played a little bit of bass, but mainly electric guitar. And we were talking about various guitars, mostly him telling me about all the guitars he had and me still wishing that I could go back to my podcast. And we're working through this, this line for like 40 minutes we're talking. And oh, and he used to play all of these old Christian songs because he grew up playing in the church. <clears throat> Side note. In my prayer email for like the last year and a half, I have been asking and I have been praying for people, like I want God to send me musicians. Are we seeing like, but I was so tired and just disconnected and I was not like, I'm, this prompt is hitting me upside the head. It's like a spiritual two by four to the face and I was just not getting it. Just oblivious. Right? So I say, I help John find his seat because he's never been to the kettle house. Like, so I help him find his seat, and then I'm going to go find my seat. We shake, we say, I finally get his name at that point once, which is why I don't remember it now. I think it was John. Not sure. He's probably watching this and he'd be like, that idiot. <laughs> That'd be my luck at this point. It'll be great. But uh, so I, I, I head over and by, I sit down in my chair, and as soon as I hit that seat, it clicks. And I have this, Logan, you idiot moment. Like, God has been sitting there prompting me for an hour at this point, probably. That I'm supposed to invite this guy to church. I'm supposed to invite this guy to my care group. I'm supposed to connect with this guy somehow. And I, but I know where his seat is. So, and there's not many people there. So I look across the way and I don't know what happened, but this guy got raptured because he was gone. And for the rest of the evening, like, I, I'm, I'm watching the concert, looking over. Nope, nope, he's still not there. Watching the concert, looking over. He was gone. Like, just gone. Lord took him home or something. I don't, I don't know what happened, but swing and a miss, Logan, right? Epic fail. When was the last time you felt God prompting you? This is going to pull us into our implication here, and before we get into that, and I talk about that for a little bit. Uh, if 
we can get whoever's handing out communion to go ahead and uh, start passing that stuff out. Uh, just a little bit about communion. At Mission Ridge, we have an open table, which means that if you're a follower of Christ, we invite you to join with us to uh, observe that, the, the sacrament, uh, where we'll celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and remember that. And we'll go ahead and take that all together after, after I get done jabbering about implications and stuff. But they'll be passing that out as we go. <clears throat> so that brings us to our implication. The implication is this. God is calling you to do your part. And your part begins and ends with intentional relationship. So let's use that. Let's use Colin for an example. Like my, I intentionally built relationship with Colin for six months. A couple of, couple of leaders who had no interest really in D&D. And I, frankly, I would have made fun of myself like, high school me would have been make, making fun of myself for playing, like, what are you doing? That's ridiculous. I don't know why, because it was really fun. Uh, I have a blast. I still play now. But uh, I was intentional. All, all of us leaders were intentional about building relationship with these students, meeting them where they were at, which Jen's going to do a great job talking about next week, about sharing our lives, Right? begins and ends with intentional relationship. There's other bits and pieces in between, but that's the main part of it, is being intentional with those relationships and then just doing my part. All I had to do was show up in that case. In the case of John, question mark, all I had to do was probably invite the guy to coffee or church or anything or be like, hey, do you want to come jam? I'm pretty sure that would have gone over swimmingly been slightly alert and awake, that might have been my part. That's all that God was asking me to do, though. I am confident about that. Intentional relationship. So let's talk about some easy, bite-sized pieces that we can do. Let's talk about some action items. First one is, let's just start by praying for those who are far from God. Right? This is part of our, our life-transforming group. So if you're in a life-transforming group, this is part of what we do. We write a list of people. We say, yeah, I'm going to spend time, I'm going to get into the Word, and I'm going to spend a little bit of time praying for these people every day. I have a couple of alarms on my phone that go off. One of them goes off at 8.50 a.m. every day. And it, Rob and Jen make so much fun of me for the 9 o'clock alarm every single time. But it's reminding me that I need to pray for somebody. And it's been going off for like three years. And that right there is my part for now. God told me like, I'm, I'm supposed to be praying for that person. So pray for those that are far from God. Whether that be your neighbor, your coworker, your barista, whatever the case may be. That's all you gotta do. That's pretty easy. Let's look at our next one. Number two, when you hear someone talking about spiritual things. Now, this could be spiritual things like just talking about the Bible, talking about God, talking about church, uh, ragging on the church, being like, hey, this church was ter- had its terrible experience with the church, right? That's a spiritual thing. When you hear someone talking about those, trust that God is at work in their lives and engage. Find a way to engage with that, which can be terrifying, John, at this Easy Top concert, was talking about spiritual things. And my oblivious self just didn't get it and just didn't 
want to really engage. God will forgive me someday for that probably and stop convicting me. But just find a way to engage. Be aware when people are talking about those things. And that kind of leads us into our third one. Number three is to press into the uncomfortable interactions that you sense God leading you into this week. And there, I guarantee you that if you ask God to do this, he will do it. And some of them will be uncomfortable. Some of them might not be. But some of them will be uncomfortable. You might be standing at a ZZ Top concert not wanting to talk to anybody. Could be that kind of uncomfortable. It could be a, I just don't know how to have this conversation because it's weird and what are they going to think of me when I bring up the fact like, hey, do you want to come to my care group? What's a care group? <clears throat> well, we get together and we talk. There's food. That's, that's the key. Just tell them, there's food. That's the, that's the pressure release valve that makes everything, every invite okay. Just be like, it's food. And they're like, oh yeah, I love food. Lure them in. <laughs> that's all it is though. You just have to press into those. And, and it's, it's like a muscle. The more, you, the more you lean into that, the more you say, yep, it's uncomfortable, but I'm going to just do it. I'm going to embrace the awkward and I'm going to invite that person to join my LTG, to go to my care group, to come to church, go have a cup of coffee and have a conversation. Whatever, whatever God's prompting you to do. The more you do that, the easier that gets. And find your method of doing that. Maybe that's game nights. Maybe that's inviting people for food. Maybe it's just talking to a random stranger at a ZZ Top concert. I don't know. I didn't think that was mine, but apparently it was. But now I have a fantastic example of when that doesn't go well. So really what was God doing there, we don't know. But lean into those. Be intentional with those relationships that God brings you and that you come across. That is all you got to do to handle your part. And then you can let them handle their part and keep on coming up the path. Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. Mission Ridge is a church focused on relational discipleship and located in Missoula, Montana. If you are in the Missoula area, we would love to have you come say hello. For more information about Mission Ridge, connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, or online at missionridge.church. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at missionridge.church. We'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks for tuning in.